What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Game of Thrones season here on Set of Mac Views. I'm your host, Chris, and this is a show about all things movie and TV. Every week, I give my thoughts and reactions to the newest releases, beloved franchises like Game of Thrones, and even upcoming projects. You can, of course, support the show by giving it a rating slash review on your favorite podcast service, as well as following the show on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All those handles can be found on the Cinematic Reviews Facebook page. It helps out the show a lot, and I really do appreciate all the love and support out there from everyone. Today, I'll be sharing my thoughts on episodes one through five of season three, which is one of my favorite seasons of the hit series. I'm excited to drop back into Game of Thrones, so let's kick things off with some facts about season three. Season three consisted of 10 episodes that aired on HBO from March 31st, 2013 to June 9th, 2013. During season three, the show became a three-unit show, meaning that three directors, three separate director of photography, and three sets of crew filmed at different locations simultaneously. After Jamie lost his hand, multiple prosthetics were used by Nikolai Koster Woldag, depending on the specific action for that scene. Each were tailored for horseback riding and jumping into a pit. Uh, Nikolai's real arm was tucked down by his waist, hidden by his costume. Certain sets were repurposed during the shooting, such as the Brotherhood's cave was actually transformed for John and Egret's pool scene, and the Great Hall at the Twins, which is where which is the home of Walter Frey, was also the council chamber at River Run, which is the home of House Tully. The pain-inflicting tools used to torture Theon included a retractable needle and a torture boot, which was meant to screw into Theon's foot. The two different sizes of screw were used uh, to protect the actor's foot while also making it look like it was going into his foot. The team coordinated with special effects to make the blood come through the top of the boot after it was uh, punctured. The director wanted Beric to use a more flowing and flamboyant fighting style that was very similar to Obi-Wan in the Star Wars franchise. The actors trained for almost two months for that fight. And Ewan Rayan, who plays Ramsay Snow, initially auditioned for the role of Jon Snow, uh, but it eventually came down to Kit Harington taking over the role of Jon, while Ewan got the role of Ramsay later on in the show. Well, that's all the facts I have for today. Let's get to season three of Game of Thrones. Like I said, season three is one of my favorite seasons of the show. It's brutal and heartbreaking, yet full of hope and wonder. The Starks just can't catch a break. Rob is dealing with treason and betrayal on a daily basis. Arya is passed around from group to group. Sansa is in the same boat, but with potential husbands. And Bran is overwhelmed with visions of the three-eyed raven. The Lannisters, on the other hand, are unfortunately still in power and getting more and more powerful as the day goes on. Joffrey is getting close to his his, uh, his future wife, Margaery. Uh, Tyrion is now master of coin, while his father, Tywin, takes over as hand to the king. And Cersei is still sinking her claws into everyone around her. The only Lannister that's down in the dumps is Jaime. He's still a prisoner and is not, uh, and it's not a pleasant journey for him. Uh, I mean, the guy loses a fucking hand uh, in this part of the season. I don't have any sympathy for him, though, uh, but that's got to suck. Uh, he, he's not only dismembered uh, 
he's not the only dismembered Lannister, though. Uh, Tyrion is walking around with a giant scar across his face like a monster. Uh, Theon is up Shit's Creek as well, which is great. Uh, if you've been following the, the season, you know how much I hate the Theon character. So seeing him tied up and tortured is weirdly satis satisfying to me. Um, I have no sympathy for him either. I mean, he killed Sir Roderick and stabbed the Starks in the back by taking Winterfell from them. Uh, it's fucked up, and he's getting what he deserves. It's about time someone in Westeros got what's coming to them. Uh, John and Egret are also getting what's coming to them, and that's each other. They have great chemistry. Uh, their chemistry was so strong that they ended up marrying outside the show. Uh, easily two of my favorite characters, uh, not just this season three, but the entire series as a whole. Now, Daenerys is on a mission. She wants the Iron Throne, and she's willing to do anything to get it. But her warm heart has her saving every innocent life along the way. She's an incredible character. I absolutely love Emilia Clarke, especially in this season. I'm having a blast uh, with this Game of Thrones season of the show, and I can't wait to get further into the story. There's so much more left to talk about, like the Red Wedding, which is coming up uh, at the end of this season, and then the Battle of the Bastards, which is actually... Uh, down the road into season six but today let's focus on episodes one through five of season three so with that let's get to the season breakdown after a quick break the next chapter of the marvel cinematic universe is almost upon us ant-man and the wasp quantumania hits theaters february 17th so be on the lookout for the new release reaction episode only on cinematic reviews All right, let's get to the season three breakdown. Episode one is titled Valer de Harris. Uh, we're going to be doing standout scenes, favorite quotes, favorite character, at least favorite character, and then any negatives or burning questions I had of the episode. So first, let's get to standout scenes. First one I have on the list is Ghost saving Sam for the White Walkers. I thought this was an awesome way to open up not just the episode, but season three. Um, Ghost is a really a badass dire wolf. He's just coming in wrecking shop with these white walkers and saving poor sam's ass once again um we should be seeing way more white walkers in the future um unfortunately it sucks that ghost isn't with john i love their relationship but when they get reunited it's a really awesome moment so i guess sometimes you do need this break between characters that way when their reunion happens it hits a lot harder so great job by the writing there Next scene I have is Braun talking shit to the Gold Cloaks on guard. Uh, probably my favorite scene of the episode. Uh, I love it when Braun's just talking ship, sh shit and just giving it, giving everybody the reality. Um, he has the, probably the biggest iron balls in this show. He's just he's a hired cutthroat that just doesn't give a fuck about what anyone thinks of him. He's willing to go up probably even against Joffrey if he has to. Uh, but this scene here in the hallway between him kind of sizing up the gold cloaks uh, is awesome. You know, we get the we get the shot of him reaching slowly behind his back to kind of give the impression that he's going to draw his daggers out and just slice these guys' throats. Um, just an awesome, awesome scene there. Then we have Tyrion demanding Castle Rock from Tywin, talking about people with huge balls. I mean, this is a pretty huge moment for the Tyrion character him basically demanding that his father Tywin gives him the family home because he is legitimately the only one that should have it you know Jamie is imprisoned 
He's on the road. He's nowhere to be found. Cersei is basically tied to the Iron Throne with her children uh, being the next heirs. Um, Tywin, of course, is his hand to the king. So he's basically tied on there, which leaves Tyrion the only available Lannister to basically inherit the family home. But, of course, Tywin being Tywin, very hesitant on even giving it to this dwarf that he calls a son. So I love this power dynamic between the two. Um, kudos to Tyrion to just say, fuck it. I'm going to basically demand from my powerful father to give me the family home, even though he despises me. So awesome moment for the Tyrion character. Next, we have Daenerys meeting the Unsullied. I love this scene um, because this is where we get to first meet the famous Unsullied army. Um, if you've seen the show before, the Unsullied are these basically unkillable army. I mean, they're killable, but they, they I, I use the word unkillable because they are going to do whatever it takes to make their owner happy. The, I mean, as we see in this scene here, the guy literally cuts one of the soldiers' nipples off, and he doesn't flinch. I mean, kudos to that guy for just taking it like a man. Um, the story behind the Unsullied is that they were raised by really, really young. They basically broken down to where they have no emotions, they have no fears, they have no desires. Their their purpose in life is to serve the whip, basically, or the slaver or whoever owns them. So. Just a very, very impressive uh, group of soldiers that are, like I said, basically unkillable. They're they're skilled, and we'll get to see that as the series goes on of how actually skilled they are in combat, um, and then how much uh, emotion has they have no emotion. So it's really, really interesting to see an army like this with no fear, no emotion, just straight up brutality. So awesome scene. And then the last scene I have is. Another assassination tip on Daenerys. This is where we get that weird-looking scorpion bug that is supposedly, I would guess, has poison in, inside of it. So that was a pretty intense moment there. We get um, Sir Barristan uh, finally reaching Daenerys and basically kneeling before her as his new queen. Uh, if you remember, uh, Sir Barristan was basically excommunicated out of King's Landing uh, by Joffrey and the Lannisters. So where else would he go besides Daenerys, the true queen of Westeros? Uh, so that was an awesome moment to get him back. He will play a pivotal role uh, later on in the series. But awesome, awesome episode. So I have some favorite quotes here that really stood out to me during this episode. First one is, big men fall just as quick as little ones. Uh, this is John. Snow, uh, badass line there. Uh, we got one from Braun, of course. Knights are worth double. This is where he's talking to Tyrion about increasing his rate because he has been knighted. Uh, and we have one from Ross. Watch, watch out for her with him. Of course, this is uh, Ross talking to Shay about Sansa and uh, Lord Baelish getting a little too close. Um, this is really interesting coming from Ross, who has basically de dedicated her life to serving Lord Baelish. So the fact that she is warning Shay about her boss is really interesting for the character. So great moment there. 
And then the last one I have is Death by Fire is the Pierce Death. This is, of course, from Melisandre, uh, another badass line. I mean, she's got some really awesome lines throughout this series, and this is definitely one of them, uh, right next to uh, The Night is Dark and Full of Terror, which is a very, very iconic line from her. But I love this line as well. The favorite character for this episode, it's got to be the Unsullied Soldier who gets his nipple cut off. I mean, man, my dude is fucking tough to get rid to get his nipple cut off like that. It was, that was such a shocking scene, even on my fourth rewatch of the show. And then, of course, the least favorite character has got to be the slaver right now that owns Unsullied. I mean, not only is he a slaver, which I absolutely am against slavery, uh, but he's just basically dissing uh, Daenerys the entire time. He's calling her a cunt, calling her a bitch, calling her a whore. I mean, the dude has got to die. I absolutely hate anyone who talk shit to Daenerys because I love Daenerys. I love Amelia Clark in the show. So he has got to be my least favorite character of this episode. Moving on to episode two. Episode two is titled Dark Wings and Dark Words. Uh, standout scenes. Uh, the first one I have is Theon getting his fingernail ripped off. Uh, I love this scene for two reasons. One, the brutality of it. I mean, the creators are not holding back with how brutal. I mean, we actually see them start to rip off that nail on the finger uh and then two i mean it's theon uh i've said this before and i'll say it a hundred times i hate the theon character i'm kind of glad that he's in the situation he's getting what he deserves starting off with losing a fingernail he's gonna and when we find out later on in the season we'll find out that he's gonna lose a lot more than just a fingernail which is kind of exciting for me uh weirdly next i have catlin uh, telling Talisa about John being sick as a child. I love this scene because it, it shows that Catelyn, uh, even though she's presented herself as hating John uh, so far in this series, there was a time where she felt sympathy for him. Um, she talks about praying to the gods, about um, making this baby uh, sick, uh, a baby that was was the product of Ned Stark's cheating, um, or supposedly, we still are a little fuzzy on that whole story. Uh, but for right now, we're just going to assume that John is indeed the bastard of Ned Stark and some woman that he met on during the battle. Um, but what I was saying is, I I love this because it does show that she was compassionate at one point uh, in time for John, uh, and it's unfortunate that they couldn't. Uh, reconcile their their differences between each other so awesome moment there then we have aria meeting the brotherhood uh this scene's pretty awesome because it this is where we get um aria uh gendry and pot pie uh, on the road uh from heron hall and they stumble across the brotherhood in the woods um and we get that awesome scene of one of the brotherhood guys shooting the air up in the air and he's telling pot pie to move his ass before the arrow comes down and we see that shot um, of the arrow hitting exactly where Popeye was standing, which was awesome showing how skilled that these guys actually are uh, when it comes to fights. So awesome scene there. We also get to see Arya kind of talk shit, which is always fun to see. She's really uh, not one to back down from arguments or fights. So awesome character moment there, of course. Uh, the next scene I have is Theon tied up and tortured. Like I said, with the whole fingernail thing, it's I love this scene because 
Theon is getting what he deserves. Um, this is where, uh, like I was talking about in the facts segment, that uh, they used the, the prosthetic boot to and screws to kind of show the screw going into his foot. And so that was a very, very brutal and gruesome scene to watch there, but oddly satisfying for me who hates the Theon character. The last scene I have is probably my favorite of the episode, which is Brienne versus Jamie on the bridge. Uh, this is really showing how Brienne can even go toe to toe with the famous Kingslayer, who is known to be excellent in hand to hand combat. So the fact that Brienne was able to overpower the great Jamie Lannister was an awesome moment for the character, even though Jamie was tied up at the time with him being as skilled as he claims he is. I don't see how that could be much of a problem. So, and then of course, this is where we meet Locke and the elder Boltman who kidnapped Brienne and Jamie. Uh, and we will find out in the next episode what happens to them. Uh, but yeah, that was definitely my favorite scene, seeing those two fight on the bridge. And then with four favorite uh, quotes, I have a few here. I will make him stop. This is Shay to Sansa about Littlefinger. Uh, I love the Shay character. I love that she's very, very protective of Sansa. At least somebody in King's Landing is. So this uh, quote is very, very powerful coming from her. Tarly, I forbid you to die. This is Lord Momont to Sam. Uh, really, really awesome line here showing that Mormont actually does care about Sam, even though he gives him a hard time. The raving is something different, something deeper. This is from Joan Reed. Uh, he and his sister, of course, are the Reeds that come across Bran and Rickon and the rest of the group uh, on their travels. So this was a very, very... When I first saw this scene um, back in the day, it was very, very confusing to me because I wasn't very familiar with the with the show at the time. I'd never read the books. Um so I was basically watching these for the very first time. But uh, still, the scene is very, very ominous and very, very mysterious as I hear it for a fourth time. But awesome line indeed. And then the last one I have is we have come to a dangerous place. This is Tyrion talking to Shay about them coming to King's Landing and how safe she is not. Um, I talk about this throughout the last season. Uh, I love Tyrion and Shay. I love their relationship. So him still worrying about her is very, very moving. Uh, I love the Tyrion character. I love the Shay character. I love their relationship. Uh, and it's unfortunate where it ends. And I will talk about that more when we get to that episode. But this moment right here is very, very powerful for me, loving their relationship. And then favorite character, it's got to be Brienne of Tarth. Um, like I said, the fact that she was able to overpower the, inf the famous Jamie Lannister, who was... One of the most skilled swordsmen in Westeros is awesome moment for the character. And then least favorite character, it's got to be Theon Greyjoy. Uh, he's such a piece of shit and he's getting what he deserves. So it's it's great seeing him uh, finally um, at the end of torture, at the other side of torturing. You know, we saw him last season torture the people of Winterfell. And now that he's getting his commandments, uh from the Boltons is very, very satisfying. So definitely least favorite character of this episode. Moving on to episode three. Episode three is titled Walk of Punishment. Uh, the first standout scene I have is Rob's uncle missing every arrow for the funeral bolt. Uh, this was kind of a funny and sad scene to watch. Um, if it were my son, I would have stopped him after the first arrow. I'm not quite sure why 
uh, Blackfish let him go three. Uh, maybe it was out of sympathy. Maybe it was out of hope. But I would have definitely stopped him after missing that first arrow because, I mean, the entire family was there watching this. You know, it's very, very embarrassing to watch your son miss not just one, but three arrows uh, to ignite the funeral bolt and send the grandfather off into the next life. But definitely, definitely would have stopped him after that first arrow. I don't know what Blackfish was thinking there. Next, we get Daenerys offering one of her dragons for the Unsullied army. This is a very, very kind of depressing moment, even though you, in the back of your mind, you kind of know she's probably got a plan in place because she she's the mother of dragons. There's no way that she would actually give up one of her dragons uh, for an army. So still breaks your heart to hear her say, I will give you one of my dragons for the army. But in the back of our minds, we know that there is something... Uh, something that she's planning behind the scenes so awesome moment there for daenerys then we get podrick getting his reward from Tyrion. i love this whole sequence so podrick uh is of course with Tyrion and Bronn as they're talking to lord baelish they're they're gathering these books but Tyrion decides to finally give podrick the reward after talking with Bronn about what they should do um so of course what does Tyrion do he gives him three of Baelish's women to basically satisfy him. He gives him a a little purse of coins and says, have your way. Just make sure that you are in my chamber with my supper. Um, after some time, we jump back to Tyrion and Bronn uh, talking over about strategies and how to uh, proceed with protecting uh the basically the royal coin and how uh loaning money works and all that stuff podrick comes back and just like a boss drops that purse of coins on Tyrion's desk and says they didn't accept it and we get just the appalled look on Tyrion and bronze face that three women denied payment because podrick was so good in bed like it's got to be one of the best moments in this show is Podrick was so good in bed that three uh, three of the brothel ladies denied payment because they gave him the time for free. It's just, I love the Podrick character so much and jumping ahead, he is my favorite character of the episode and one of my favorite characters of the show. It's He's such an awesome, awesome character to follow. Next scene I have is Dion getting help from a friend. I have that in quotes uh, because if you do know the show, this is indeed Ramsey Snow, who is Lord Bolton's bastard. He is sort of playing a trick on Thielen to basically just mess with the guy, to keep torturing him, give him hope, and then ripping it down from him, which is one of the best ways to torture someone. So awesome scene there. Then the last one I have is Jamie getting his hand cut off by Locke, who is uh, in charge of this group of Bolton men. Uh, so just a devastating scene to watch. I know I'm not the biggest fan of Jamie, at least right now, but that's got to suck losing your hand, especially um, a character like that who is basically famous because of his hands, because he is so... Uh, skilled in combat that that is his life that hand was a part of him um so 
devastating moment for the character. Uh, very, very brutal. Um, we actually get to see, you know, it's it's kind of a quick scene. You know, he's kind of, Locke is teasing with Jamie. You know, he's offering food, offering fire. And then immediately just the tables are turned. He grabs the butcher's knife and just hacks it off without hesitation. And we get the end of the episode of Jamie just screaming in horror of losing his hand. So powerful, powerful moment there. Quotes I have. I have a few of them here. I will never see them again. This is uh, Catelyn talking about seeing Bran and Rickon and Sansa and Arya. Knowing what happens uh, in this show, this is a very, very powerful quote because she indeed will not see her kids again. Rob is the only child that she will ever, ever see before um, what it's, what's to come happens. So very, very powerful line knowing um, how this story ends for her. Your fires burn low. Uh, this is Melisandre to Stannis. This is basically her telling him that she can't get it up anymore. Um, so I just love that backhanded comment to to uh, Stannis because I'm really not a fan of Stannis. Uh, again, least favorite character of this episode is definitely Stannis Baratheon. He is a basically a piece of shit. You know, he's cheating on his wife. He locked away his daughter. Um, he's so consumed by wanting that Iron Throne that he is willing to destroy his family. Um, so definitely one of my least favorite characters of not just this episode, but the series as a whole, I was never a huge fan of Stannis. I would actually prefer Renly, even though Renly had his problems, but I would definitely put Renly in my category of characters. I kind of like, uh, over Stannis because Stannis is definitely in that group of characters that I absolutely do not like in the show. All men must die, but we are not men. This is Daenerys talking to Miss Sunday. Um, this is actually, uh, I believe, I can't remember the exact quote, but they say this in um, Valyrian. Um, but awesome, awesome quote there. And then the last one I have is, the ladies enjoyed it so much, they gave the time for free. This is uh, Bronn asking Podrick in amazement about um them giving back the the payment because he was so good in bed so awesome awesome line especially coming from braun who frequents that establishment um uh, as we see throughout this series already gave my favorite character that was project uh least favorite character was stannis as i said i did have one negative for this episode and that was the music that was playing during the end credits Usually we get like some kind of version of the Game of Thrones theme or whatever. But for some reason, they actually put in some kind of song, like an actual song, which took me out of the episode and the universe. Like, I don't know what they were thinking there. It was kind of a rock, rock alternative song that they put at the end of there after um, Jamie gets his hand cut off and we hear him scream. It jumps right into this rock song. That shouldn't have been in there. I don't know. I can't remember who directed this episode, but that was a very, very poor choice there. It should have been another version of the theme um, in there instead of an actual like rock song. So that always takes me out of it. So I really wish that they wouldn't have put that in there. But that was really my only negative of this episode. Otherwise, it was actually a pretty, pretty awesome episode, especially the whole Podrick thing in the brothel. So. Moving on to episode 
four. So episode four, and now his watch is ended. Uh, the first thing I have written down is Varys tells Tyrion the story of him being cut. And I have it in cuts and quotes because this is referring to when he was uh, castrated, when he got his manhood chopped off. Um, very, very disturbing story. Um, the story goes is that Varys was with a traveling group of actors. Um, he met this guy who was this supposed sorcerer. Um, he got basically molested and tortured uh, and then eventually cut. Um, so we get this shot of him slowly cracking open this crate. We're not quite sure what's in the crate, uh, but of course he's telling this story for a reason. Turns out he's going to get his revenge. Um, the sorcerer is indeed in that crate and he's going to make the sorcerer wish he was dead. You know, Varys is going to torture the shit out of this guy for cutting him. So awesome moment. Cause, cause I love it because another reason is because Varys at the same time is talking about his revenge while also kind of giving Tyrion advice on his revenge. You know, we, we get the, we get hints of this very uh, vengeful tension between Cersei and Tyrion because Tyrion is pretty much positive that she was the one that had him his face cut during the Battle of Blackwater. So it was really cool to get um, these this scene full of revenge and kind of Varys giving advice to Tyrion while also serving his own. Uh, personal revenge on the sorcerer. So awesome, awesome scene there. Then we have Theon is tricked by his new friend. Um, of course, this is actually Ramsay Snow, who is Lord Bolton's bastard. Um, we get the reveal of him uh, saying, hey, I was fucking with the whole time. I'm here to make your life a living hell. So sit back and enjoy it. So great moment there. And we have Marjorie proposing to Sansa to marry Loras. I love this scene because when Marjorie brings this up, you get that little glimmer of hope in Sansa's eyes that maybe she caught a break. She Their plan is to marry her to Sir Lawrence, and Loras and Sansa will go back to Highgarden and rule there um, as lords and ladies. Um, of course, knowing this show, Sansa is going to get the shit end of the stick yet again, but it was, it's great to just live in this moment of maybe there is a, a, just a little taste of hope for the Starks and for Sansa after all the shit that they've gone through. So powerful moment there for anyone that is on team Starks. So, you know, I, I haven't been a huge fan of Sansa um, at the beginning of this series, but I'm slowly, starting to feel sympathy for her. You know, she finally realizes that Joffrey and the Lannisters are evil. She has no real desire for the throne anymore. She just wants to go back home and live her life and to have, find some peace after all this shit that's gone through. So starting to really, really like the Sansa character and Sophie Turner is fantastic. I mean, the entire cast is phenomenal, but I love Sophie Turner especially in the later seasons. I'll be talking about her more as she kind of embodies her mother, Catelyn, more uh, as the series goes on. So this is like the little kernel of hope for me falling in love with the Sansa character. So great moment here. 
Then we have my favorite scene of the episode is the mutiny at Crasher's Keep slash Mormont is stabbed in the back, both physically, uh, both literally and uh, and yeah, it's it's just a brutal fucking scene to watch. Lord Mormont, who has only tried to find peace between the Wildlings and the Night's Watch, but the fact that he is literally and figuratively stabbed in the back by his own men is just brutal. Um, I love the Lord Mormont character. Of course, he is the father of Jorah Mormont, who is with Daenerys, um, and it's actually uh a long time before Jorah even finds out about this. I, I actually don't think he finds out until he meets John uh in season seven, I think it is. Um but this is such a brutal scene. Uh we get all the Night's Watch guys just fighting each other. Um and then of course Craster gets killed by uh I think his name is Tanner. Um and then the other guy uh can't remember his name, but he is the basically the rapist that keeps picking on Sam and his friends. Are uh, he's part of the mutiny as well, but they basically take over Crasher's Keep. And then when we jump, I think it's either at the end of this season or next season. I don't remember, but we will return back to this group of Night's Watch as they took over Crasher's Keep. But it's very very unfortunate that Lord Mormont found his had his watch end, as they say. Uh, because of a mutiny so then we have the hound is accused by the lord of light this is where um the brotherhood takes the hound aria potpie and gindry into their little cave um we're meet we're met with uh beric dondarian and his group of people uh his right hand guy the priest i can't remember what his name is but they the hound always refers to him as the priest uh the hound is basically accused of messing around with the Targaryen children of killing, uh, murder, um, of lying, stealing, all that stuff. And then we get Arya accusing him of killing the butcher's boy back in season one. He doesn't deny it. Uh, he basically says, Hey, I was ordered to kill the kid. Not my fault, but Arya is just intent on the hound facing his punishment by death. So very, very powerful scene there for Arya and the Hound. Then we, the last thing I have written down is Daenerys getting her Unsullied army slash the slavers being killed. Awesome scene here. I love how, like, like I said in the last, about the last episode, we knew in the back of our minds that Daenerys had some kind of plan going on. She wasn't going to actually give her dragons up for the army. She was going to take the army by some means. And then here we get the reveal of her, Handing over her dragon, but she says, fuck that. I want you to die instead. So she says, Dracaris, which I love hearing. And then we get that. I love how when she says Dracaris, we get the music and it does that. And then it's quiet. And then we just hear the effects of the fire coming out of the dragon. It's so cool how they designed that every time she says Dracaris. It, it, it's, I get chills every time I... I hear that sequence because it's the same time every time we hear her say Dracaris and we hear that music go and it stops and then we get the fire coming down and it's so cool how that whole sequence goes every time she says Dracaris. So 
awesome moment there. I love Daenerys in this episode. She is my favorite character, actually, of the episode because she is starting to become who she is in the show. She's smart. She's compassionate. But she's also brutal when she needs to be. So she literally sets the slaver on fire from her dragon. And then she orders the Unsullied to kill the rest of the of the masters. Uh, and it's it's a brutal scene, but I love watching it because it's I hate slavery. So I love seeing slavers meet their end, uh, especially in a brutal way. So awesome sequence there. If it wasn't for the mutiny on Crash's Keep, this would be my favorite scene of the show. But I just it's so heartbreaking to watch Lord Mormont get stabbed in the back by his own men at Crasher's and then finally seeing Crasher die because he's a real piece of shit. You know, uh, I talked about this last season, but he's the one that's um, basically making every daughter he has his wife. He's he's sleeping with his daughters and then they breed more daughters. If it's a son, he casts them away to the White Walkers. He only wants daughters so that he can keep breeding more and more wives. Very, very fucked up character. So it was great to see him meet his end, um, even if it was at the hands of some really nasty people in the Night's Watch. But that is definitely my favorite scene of the episode. But the Nenera scene at the end where she gets her Unsullied army and turns on the Slavers is definitely runner up there. Then I have some favorite quotes. Um, I was that hand. This is Jamie talking to Brianne about the hand that he just lost. We get that shot of um, Jamie on the horse, and they, just to humiliate him more, they tied his own hand around his neck like a necklace, and he has to be reminded that he no longer is whole again. So kind of a heartbreaking scene for that character. I'm not quite um, on the side of Jamie yet. I mean, I still think Jamie's a pretty much a piece of shit. He uh, is basically fathered bastard children from his twin sister. He's he's destroyed the Starks' lives, and but as the show goes on, you kind of see this little these glimpse of hope for the Jamie character. Like maybe he's not such a bad guy. Maybe he was just under the influence of his father. Maybe he was tied down by family and loyalty and honor and legacy and all that. But for right now, I'm not really feeling, me personally, not feeling the sympathy yet for the Jamie character, but it's got to suck. Um, I can't imagine myself losing my hand and then being humiliated enough to have it, you know, hanging around my neck like a necklace. So powerful line there. Littlefinger is one of the most dangerous men in Westeros. This is from Varys talking to um, Marjorie's grandmother, I believe it was, um, Lady Tyrell. I mean, he's not wrong. Littlefinger is probably one of the most, if not the most, dangerous people in Westeros because he's such a slimy piece of shit. He's always hiding in the background. He's always plotting um, behind a curtain. And he is definitely one of the most dangerous men in Westeros. So that's probably one of the truest lines ever in the show. This one's a really fucked up line, but I wrote this one down. I never knew Banna would smell so good. This is from Tullet, who is one of uh, Sam and John's friends at a Night's Watch. This is when they're burning the dead, and they you get that. I suppose they haven't eaten in a long, long time. So the fact of them smelling this rotting meat probably 
smells good in a way because they're starving and they haven't eaten for probably weeks. Um, so very, very fucked up line, but I get it. I mean, when you're starving, I guess even rotting, I mean, eating, cooking flesh would smell good, I guess, in a way. Uh, really fucking weird, but had to write that line down. You are a bastard, a daughter fucking wildling bastard. This is from Carl Tanner, who kind of initiates this mutiny against Mormont. He's talking shit to Craster, which I approve of. I don't approve of them backstabbing Lord Mormont, but I do approve him telling Craster to basically go fuck himself, which, because he's a terrible, terrible fucking character. And I'm glad even a piece of shit like Carl Tanner does kill him in the end, but really, really awesome line because he's. Telling the truth. I mean, the guy is a bastard. He's a daughter fucking bastard who just is a sick human being. It deserved to die. So awesome mind. Then the last one I have is Valerian is my mother tongue. This is Daenerys to the slaver as she reveals that she knew what he was saying the entire time. She was plotting this from the moment she met him. And it was just awesome for her to basically say fuck you to the slaver and just kills them all. So cool. I mentioned it before. My favorite character was Daenerys. Uh, she is awesome in this episode. Least favorite character. It's got to be the Night's Watch people who betray Mormont. It's unfortunate that he met his end from the hands of his own men. So it's very, very um, unfortunate. But definitely my least favorite characters are those who turned on Mormont and the rest of the Night's Watchmen. I didn't really have a negative, but I did have a burning question, and I haven't done any research on it yet, but I'm pretty sure that this is referring to them. So Joffrey, in one of the scenes, is telling the story of Rhaenyra's death to Marjorie. He's talking about how Rhaenyra was killed by her brother, um, by your brother's dragon in front of her son. Um, my question was, is this Rhaenyra from House of the Dragon? Is this a different Rhaenyra on the Targaryen family? Because as you may know, the Targaryens like to reuse names. So there's multiple Viserys's, there's multiple um, names. Um, but I got to imagine this is Rhaenyra from the House of the Dragon. I need to do more research on it. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say yes. This is a reference to Rhaenyra in the House of the Dragon series that came out last fall. So that was really cool to uh, get that kind of hint of a Targaryen that we are now familiar with uh, because of the uh, spinoff show House of the Dragon. So that was awesome. I didn't catch that until now, of course, because seeing that that's that series and excited for season two. It sounds like season two is coming um, later this week, this year, hopefully. So awesome that we are that I'm doing this uh, Game of Thrones season before we get to uh, the House of the Dragon. So that was awesome reference there. But probably one of my favorite episodes so far, uh, at least in this part one of the season three. Uh, jumping ahead over to episode five to cap off today's episode. So episode five is titled Kiss by Fire, which is referring to redheads, um, which is an awesome way to word that. First standout scene I have is the hound being judged in combat. Of course, trial by combat. Uh, this is the hound versus Beric Dardarian in the cave. Awesome fight. We get Beric uh, with the flaming sword because of the Lord of the Light. Uh, he's got a shield. We got the Hound with the shield and a sword. 
as we know, the hound is terrified of fire. So it was really awesome to have Beric kind of use that against him with the flaming sword. Uh, choreography was awesome. Um, it was uh, really cool how they kind of hinted that Beric was probably going to win this and that we would finally see the hound die. But of course, the hound being ruthless and refusing to die actually wins this. He, We get that shot of him slicing down the sword through Beric's sword and into his basically almost cutting his entire arm, arm off. Uh, not quite uh, severed the arm, as you can see in, in the shot. We get the the sword basically in Beric's shoulder, um, which is such a brutal, brutal shot to see. But uh, really, really uh, crazy turn of events where the Hound actually, in the, in the eyes of the Lord of the Light, he is not guilty. I guess the Lord of the Light has something else planned for the Hound, which we will find out as the series goes on. So, But awesome, awesome sequence there. It's probably my favorite of the episode. Awesome choreography. Um, like I said in the facts, Beric Dondarrion kind of used this flowing, flamboyant Obi-Wan style fighting, which was really cool to see on screen. So awesome scene. Then we have John breaking his vows with Egret. Uh, this is where uh, Egret kind of lures him into that cave, and we get that pool, the hot springs pool there. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. John and Egret fuck finally. You know, they take in their relationship to the next level. John basically disobeys his vows. He's no longer a night's watchman. Um, he is not a virgin anymore. He's fully committed to Egret and the Wildlings. So awesome moment for the character there. And I'll have to say, I don't know her, the actress's name, but Egret, very, very beautiful. Very beautiful indeed. So kudos to Kit Harrington and their marriage uh, due to this show. Uh, awesome chemistry between those characters. Then I have Kyburn treating Jamie's severed hand. Brutal scene. Um, we actually, I know it's a prosthetic, but you can feel the pain from Nikolai's voice. But uh, we get the shot of Kyburn with the little pliers and he's picking at the rot and the corrosion in in the in the wounded hand there and you can feel the pain coming from jamie's screams you know he refused the milk of the poppy like a badass i have some respect for that um but just it's such a brutal i can't imagine the amount of pain of somebody taking a pliers inside of you and cutting out and ripping out diseased tissue it's such a brutal scene to watch then we have rob executing lord Karstark. Now, this whole subplot is crazy. Um, so the Car Starks are pissed at the uh, Jamie for killing his son. So what does he do? He decides to have the little cousins or nephew Lannisters br brutally murdered. They're like 10, 11, 12 years old, and they were brutally murdered by this group of Car Stark men. Rob is furious. So he has um, the other Karstarks hung while Lord Karstark gets the end of his blade and beheaded by Rob, which is a awesome scene. I always, this scene is burned into my brain. We have the rain coming down. We have the shot of Karstark being lent over the, like the rock there. And he's, and he looks up at Rob and he goes, you are no king of mine. And just that 
pissed off Rob, slices down the sword in one motion, cutting his head off. And he throws the sword on the ground because he's so pissed off. And he's grabbing his hand, probably because he's so pissed and in that he did all this strength to cut off Lord Karstark's head in one motion. And he's you get the shot of him walking away in the rain, holding his fist because he's kind of probably in pain that he had to use so much strength and force to get that one blow done. Um, just a powerful, powerful scene. I love the Rob character in this episode. And I mean, strategically, it was probably not a good move to, to uh, execute the car Starks. Uh, I mean, the Tullys and his mom had a really good point along with his wife, Taliza had a good point of keep them prisoner which forces the car Starks to be loyal to him until the war is over. And then if you want to execute him, execute him later. Um, but him being, uh, trying to be the, the strong rightful King of the North. He's like, no, I need to show strength. I need to show that I can control my army. So he has them executed, which forces the car Starks to abandon their posts, uh, basically cutting the Stark army in half. So they're kind of at a, disadvantage against the Lannisters now and Tywin sees this as uh as an opportunity to strike and destroy the Starks forever so strategically a bad bad move by Rob but I, I totally understand that he can't put up with shit like that especially among his ranks so awesome awesome scene there it's probably probably my favorite scene because it's it's so branded in my mind especially that that scene of the rain coming down and him chopping off Lord Karkstark's head in one blow. Then we have, and this is really fucked up, but I had to put this on here, the jar of babies, which I totally forgot. So Stannis's wife has had miscarriages and issues with pregnancy throughout the years. So they only have a daughter. They've never been able to have a son. So instead of burying the bodies or burning the bodies or getting rid of the bodies, they put them in these jars of liquid and they're just sitting there and she's, and it's in their, I'm assuming it's in their chamber. And she's just there looking at them and talking to them. It's really, really fucked up. But I had to put the scene down because I was so appalled by it. And I totally forgot about the scene in here. But we get the shot of the jar of babies. And it's so fucking gross and so weird and so fucked up. But, and it really, I do not like Stannis and his wife. I feel a lot of sympathy for the daughter. You know, the daughter has, um, I can't remember what the, the, the stone stone disease that we will see later on in the show uh but she's basically defigured from birth so she's kind of hidden away up into her chamber while their mom stannis's wife uh Salise, i think is her name Salise the Brathian. um she's kind of locked up in her chamber as well but of course her chamber has these jar babies and it's fucking weird as shit so definitely hate the Brathians right now not a huge fans of them so looking and I'm just going to jump through this now. My least favorite character of the episode is Stannis' wife, Celise Baratheon. She is a fucking nutcase, and I'm pretty sure it was her idea to have these jar of babies. Um, she's just a weird, fucked-up character that is... And I'm, and I'm not going to spoil it in case you haven't seen the show yet, but there's going to be an episode coming up to where I absolutely fucking hate her, um, and it's just appalling. And, it, and I'm really dreading watching the episode but i am gonna i'm gonna have a lot of thoughts on it but she is definitely one of my least favorite characters uh her and stannis of the entire series i just i do not like the baratheons so jumping over to favorite quotes uh seven hells 
This is kind of an iconic line from John. I love hearing him say that. They were boys. This is Rob yelling at the car Starks about them killing these young Lannister boys who are, like I said, probably 10, 11, 12 years old, just brutally murdered uh, because they were pissed off at Jamie killing their son. Um, so that was a very powerful moment there for Rob. Every time I come back, I feel a bit less. This is a uh, Beric Dondarrion talking about um, how it feels coming back to life. Um, so we get this story of how he's been brought back five or six times by the priest. Um, a couple stabbed in the body. He was hung. Uh, and then, of course, almost got his arm cut off by the hound. So he's got all these scars. He lost an eye. He was got the marks on his neck because he was hung. So very powerful quote there from him about how every time he comes back, a little piece of him is left behind in the afterlife. So really, really cool, cool quote there. Then the last one I have is, you disgraced the Lannister name for far too long. This is Tywin talking to Cersei and Tyrion about how their embarrassments of the family, um, for what he doesn't know, is that Jamie lost a fucking hand, so he's probably going to be a disgrace as well in the eyes of Tywin. So he's basically disowned all his children at this point, um, which is unfortunate. But it's fun to see the Lannisters pissed off at each other because I don't care for their family at all. They're all pieces of shit that deserve each other. So great line here from Tywin. My favorite character has got to be Beric Dondarrion. Um, the fact that he's coming back to life six times now is awesome. He's an awesome character. You can tell that he he's not as crazy as Lady Melisandre. Um, they, of course, both worship the Lord of Light. Um, but they kind of have their own way of doing things. Melisandre is more seductive and uses her body and her beauty more. Beric, on the other hand, seems like he has some kind of morals. Um, he has strategy. You know, he, he's approaching the Lord of Light a little bit different than Melisandre, even though they kind of are grouped together because they worship the same god. But I love the character because, yeah, he's basically holding Arya for ransom. But at least he's going to honor that agreement and hand her over to her mom and brother. Um, yeah, it was, it's probably for payment, but at least there's some kind of good intentions in there. I know it's a little gray area, but they seem to be one of the most okay characters. You know, I mean, they steal, they lie, they kill, but they seem to have some kind of moral mission, at least behind them. So he's an awesome character. And then, like I said, these fair characters got to be Celise Baratheon, Stannis' wife. Just absolutely hate the Baratheons right now. So that's part one of season three. I absolutely love this season. Um, we have the Red Wedding coming up um, in part two of season three. So I'm excited for that. Lots of thoughts on that. That's one of the most iconic moments in the show uh next to ned stark's beheading and joffrey's death and all those other famous scenes but this is probably i remember when this this episode aired and everyone freaked out over it like this was the moment where everyone was in love with the show like this blew everybody's mind including mine when i first saw it so i am excited to rewatch uh this episode for a fourth time so 
be on the look for part two coming out next week uh, on episodes six, six through 10 of season three. So. Well, that'll do it for this week's Game of Thrones episode. Tune in next week, like I said, for episode six through 10 of season three. Also check out new release reactions every week here on Cinematic Reviews. The next new release will be Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Medium, which arrives on theaters February 17th. So be on the lookout for that episode. Later, everyone.